are you a leader or a follower? Many would hear that question and gauge their response based on personality, position, or poise. They have more of a personality that a leader typically possesses, so they are considered a leader. Or they hold a position of leadership, so they are a leader. And some just carry themselves with poise, like a leader, with graceful and elegant bearings inside of themselves. It's just who they are. But what makes a good follower? Do we even want to be considered a follower? There's a sense of weakness when that term is applied to us. And in this episode, Jeff discusses three things that make up great followers. See, Jesus is not looking for leaders as much as he is looking for followers. If you follow him and go where he is going, people will follow you. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. One of the interesting things for us in our ministry is, is many of you have been there to NTS camp. Some of you haven't. And NTS camp is this great experience. It's pretty incredible. And if you've been there, hopefully you're, you can nod your head and say, yeah, we like it. It's kind of fun. And here's what we find out. What we find out is for those that went as a student, and maybe they might have the opportunity to join us for the summer on staff or in another position, here's what we hear almost every time. I had no idea how much work it takes to do this. Because everyone shows up, right, and they have this great time, and they don't know that those of us that are involved, we're up before everybody else usually, and we're awake after everybody else, and all in between, we're on our feet all day working, and many of our staff are outside in the hot sun all day, and we're doing all this. And then when it's over, you guys get in your van, get in your bus, and you go home, and guess what? Guess who's left to do all the cleanup? All of us that have been working all week, and so the work isn't done. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a party at your house. You ever have a party at your house, everybody comes over, and everybody has a great time, and they eat your food, and they drink everything in your fridge, and they shake your hand, give you a hug, high five, whatever, and they go, great, and they walk out the door, and then guess who gets to do the dishes? We do, right? So we host it, and we do all that. And what we talked about earlier today, what we talked about earlier today in Matthew 9 when Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there's this old song that I love. It's this gospel song from like probably the 60s or 70s. It's by Andre Crouch, one of my favorites. You guys need to look him up because it's worth your time. And the song is called, My House is Full, But My Fields Are Empty. Think about that. My house is full. Everybody loves to party. And hardly anybody wants to do work. One of the things that, that, that inspires me so much is coming here every day with all these people in this room, Jason, Kyle, Arianna, Rob, and Ryan, and knowing that they work hard every day. They give their best. They give their all. They're workers. That inspires me. God's looking for workers. And I often think, what's it like for God when he does all this for us and he prepares everything and we ask him for things and he gives us so generously and then he asks something of us. 
And we say, well, I can't do that. I'm too shy. That's not my gift. I, I can't do that. I've never done that before. Man, if I did that, you know, who knows what would happen. We have all these questions. And I wonder when, when God asks, are we ready? Are we ready to listen? Are we ready to act? Are we ready to give? Are we ready to obey? And what we're going to talk about tonight, so I'm going to talk about great followers and great followings. Because that's, when we talk about Claim Your Campus, talking about what it means to follow, what it means to, to be a part of a following. Luke 24, here's what Luke says. He says, large crowds, they have an emphasize here on the screen, were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone does not come to me, and here, I'm just going to pray for a minute. If you haven't read this before, this is an astounding thing that Jesus said. It's hard to understand. But we just have to take it for what it is. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And I emphasize two things there. This idea of all these people that were traveling with Jesus, and then Jesus turns to them and says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to give up your own life and you need to follow me. And there's a distinction there if we look between what it means to be a traveler and what it means to be a follower. What's the difference between those two things? Between being a traveler with Jesus and a follower of Jesus. So we can travel with Jesus and that's what the crowds were doing. The crowds were having a great time. In fact, the crowds were living it up. They were seeing the miracle man. That's why they were there. He was feeding the crowds. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. They heard the stories. They wanted to be around the miracle man. And so they went and they followed this Jesus. They came from all over to see this man because they'd never known anything like it. And so they traveled and they went and they received and Jesus gave. And then at one point he turns to them and he says, Okay, you've seen the miracles. You've seen what I can do. Now who's going to follow me? And there are many times in Jesus' life and his ministry where he did that and everybody dispersed. And what we're going to find is sometimes we may have the crowds. And some of you that just shared your story, you talked about that. Showing up at Claim Your Campus and all these people are there. And we celebrate that, don't we? I mean, those are great times. And we shouldn't dismiss those. But you know what? There's sometimes when we show up and nobody's there. And just like I talked about earlier, it's midnight and we're taking down trussing and doing all this stuff at NTS camp and packing up and we're getting up early and when we're super tired and getting in a car and driving all day to go to the next one and nobody's there. But that's what we're called to do. If we're going to follow Jesus, there's a difference between being a traveler and being a follower. And some of you here might be thinking, when, especially when it comes to Claim Your Campus, I'm not a leader. How can I do that? And you're feeling this pressure like, if I'm going to be a leader, I just don't know if that's in me. I don't know if I can do it. Let me reassure you about something right now, that Jesus really isn't looking for leaders as much as he's looking for followers. What Jesus wants from you is not really to lead as much as what he wants from you is to follow him. And if you can follow him, I can, I can guarantee you that people will follow you. 
If you get behind Jesus and go where he's going, people will get behind you and follow you as you follow Jesus. And what he's looking for is people that will follow you. You know, I often say to people, there's three kinds of people in the world. There's people who want to follow themselves. There's people who want God to follow them. And then there's people who are willing to follow God. And I wonder which one you might be. You want to follow yourself and just live your own life and do whatever? Do you want God to go your way? Do you want him to go where you go? Or are you willing to go where he goes? Are you willing to follow him no matter what? Because what we're going to discuss tonight a little bit later together is what does it mean for us to follow him no matter where he will take us? When I was in seventh and eighth grade is when um, my life started to change a little bit and I had this fear of, of public speaking. And it's kind of strange because that's what I do for most of my life now. But in eighth grade specifically, when you should be past all this, I was so scared. And in my eighth grade English class, we had to read a book report. We had to read a book and then we had to write a, at least a one-page summary and stand up in front of the class and read it to the class. You didn't have to talk, just had to read it. And it was just, it was weird, it was coincidental, but I got sick the day that I had to read my essay, if you know what I mean. I woke up and was like, I don't feel good, so I stayed home. And then I got rescheduled, and then it was so weird, but I got sick that day too. It just kept happening, I don't know what it was. And my teacher kind of figured it out, Mr. Allen, he's like, you know, Jeff, you need to get up here. So way after all the book reports were done, like it had been weeks and everyone was done because they did them all in a row. And that made it even worse because I'm like, man, now we got to go back. And it's like, this joker's going to get up here and read his book report. And we've been done with that for weeks. And I had to go up and like trembling hands, read my book report. You know, it wasn't too long after that where God said to me, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to do kingdom work for a living. And I had a real small framework of what that looked like, but the one thing that I felt and believed is that I was going to have to get up in front of people. Every pastor I knew did that, so I'm like, I guess I'm going to have, if I do that, I'm going to have to get up in front of people. And I kept saying, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm too afraid. There's no way. And God kept saying, are you going to go with yourself or are you going to follow me? Are you going to trust me on this one? And eventually came to a time in my life where I said, okay, I'm going to have to trust God with that fear and go where he goes. And if you follow Jesus, you know what I mean. You know there are times when there's like a fork in the road and you have to say, okay, i got to trust God here and do this even though I'm scared to death to do it. Even though I don't know the outcome. Even though I don't know what's going to happen. And I guess the one thing I wanna, want you to take from this is this, is that great followers lead great followings. That if you want to see God move in your world and in your life, then you need to be the best follower you can be and you need to go where God goes. And you need to stop asking God to go where you want to go and you need to start saying, God, I'm going to go where you want me to go and I'm going to go where you go and I'm going to follow you no matter where and what and how and when and why. I'm going to go where you're going and I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to be just a traveler with you. I'm going to be a follower of you. That's what he's asking of all of us here. He wants us to follow him. Now, follow him sometimes looks kind of crazy. And we're going to watch a little experiment here for a minute. We're going to watch this. It's like 
I don't know, two and a half, three minute video. And, I want, and maybe some of you have seen this, but I want you to watch it. It's how a movement kind of starts. And you're, I want you to, and some of you got great observational skills. I want you to just observe what happens and see if you can remember the order of certain things that are going to occur in this video that you're going to watch. And it's kind of funny and you might laugh and it is enjoyable to watch because it's really interesting, kind of a little social experiment. And this wasn't set up, this was random. But you're going to see how a following starts. And I want you to think about that, all right? So how did it start? It started with one guy just out there going for it. Did he care if anybody else was with him? It didn't seem like it, did it? He was just out there going for it. And he was having a good time on his own, in his own little world, but he was committed to what he was doing, wasn't he? Like, he was all into that. And then all of a sudden, another person joins him. And I don't know if you noticed, but did you see what he did when the other guy came around? What did he do? Do you remember? He, like, acknowledged him. They did this little thing for a couple seconds. And then, like, so it wasn't like, hey, man, this is my thing. Stay away. Like, he was very open and said, hey, all right, sweet, somebody else. And then the other guy. And then you notice the momentum started happening, right? There was, there was a change. There was like a turning. There was a pivot point in that where all of a sudden it went from one lone crazy guy to a couple people and like, oh, that's kind of a nice thing. And then all of a sudden it became like, I got to get over there and be a part of that. Did you see that? There came a point where, you know, at first nobody's even really paying attention to that guy. They're just listening to music and this dude's over there just going for it. And... And then all of a sudden, it's like everybody had to be there. Like you felt like instead of him being the weirdo, you were the weirdo if you weren't there, right? And that's, in a lot of ways, that can help us understand sometimes what it means to follow Jesus. You might be out there all on your own. And you got to go for it. The thing, that as I get older, you guys, here's what I realize is that, man, in life, you got to go for it. You just got to go for it. Life is too short. You got to go for it. You guys are in school. Who cares what people think about you? I remember going, I have, I have three crazy older brothers. And when I would go to the store with my older brother and I was a kid, he's 20 years older than me. So I'm, imagine I'm like 8 or 10 years old, okay? And he's like 30. And we go to the store and he would, and he didn't live in the same city where I lived. He lived kind of far away, but he was from there. And we'd go to a store, and he'd do something really crazy. And I would look at him and go, what are you doing, man? Aren't you embarrassed? He's like, I'll never see these people again. That was like his philosophy in life. He's like, I won't see them. Who cares? And so I use that on my kids now. They're like, don't do that. I'm like, who cares? I'll never see these people again. And here's the thing. The thing is this. You got to go for it. You're in school. And you think the world revolves around your time in school, but guess what? You're going to move on one day, and people are going to look back, and the opportunities you have right now are going to be gone. And the only thing that you're going to have is the memories that you see when you look into your yearbook. And people are going to look at you, and they're going to remember, oh, yeah, they're the ones that showed up every week and prayed at school. Oh, yeah, they're the ones that always were talking about their love for God. Oh, yeah. Because you're willing to just go for it and not care what people think. 
Our only audience is one. Jesus said something one time that was really sobering. He said, those who are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of them one day before my Father. That's sobering. Have you ever been ashamed? I know I have. I've been ashamed. I was ashamed when I became a Christian and went back to school after the summer that I got my life right with God and I felt like I had to pray at school for lunch. And so I was, I was embarrassed. I tried to pray as quick as I could. It looked like a blank sometimes. I did the drop the napkin prayer. You know, like I'd drop my napkin and pray on the way down, the way up, and I'd be good, you know. So nobody would see. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I've learned to just say, who cares? My only audience is one. That's God, and that's all that matters. So great followers have these three things. Conviction, commitment, consistency. Conviction. How high is the cost of your belief? How much are you willing to pay for your conviction? We mentioned that in an earlier session. Your conviction, if you have it, if it's real, it won't change. It won't change by external circumstances. It won't change by manipulation. It won't change by culture or popularity. Your conviction is your conviction. It's part of who you are. You don't change. It's, it's what it is. But how deep is that conviction? How great is the cost of your belief? How much have you given for your faith? What price have you paid? You know, when you really think about it, showing up once a week and inviting a couple of friends is a, is a pretty small price to pay for all that God's done for us. And I loved hearing the stories earlier from students that are saying, I was scared to death to do this. I understand that. It's not easy. I know what it's like to overcome fear. And some of you do too. Commitment. How far will you go for that belief? How committed are you? How committed are you to your faith? How far will that take you? And how are you committed to your campus, to being a light to your school? How far will you go? And then consistency, how long will you stay there? And I think this is, this is maybe the greatest key to the success of Claim Your Campus at a school is the fact that there's consistency. You know, there's all kind of people in this world that will talk really big and they'll do something for a couple weeks or a short time and then they burn out and then they're gone and you never hear from them again. But there's something to be said. And here's what I think God honors, God honors more than just about anything. Through my life experiences, as I read the scripture and understand God's work, I see that God honors faithfulness and consistency. If you stick it out, even when no one's there. When we started this, me and Ariane started this seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, and it was just us, and we just stuck it out. And I kept showing up to work and doing everything I knew to do. And I heard of this thing called the United States National Prayer Committee. And I heard about it, didn't know such a thing existed. And I thought, well, we're doing this thing, Claim Your Campus. We're trying to get students to pray. And we were just barely off the ground, and I, and I got myself invited to show up to this group. You had to be invited. And so I said, I, need, I found somebody. I said, you need to invite me so I can go. So they invited me, and I showed up, and we got there. And we started to be a part of this group. Then I realized, and my, my eyes opened to everything that God's doing in our nation, and the plan that he has as people are praying and as this movement's growing. And there are people that have been praying for decades for you. Because there have been people that have been in the prayer room for a long time praying that God would raise up a new generation. And when they hear about Claim Your Campus, and when, when you share these stories, guess what? I hear them, and I get to tell them these stories. Because they get to hear and answer their prayer. 
And we stuck it out every year. And then this last year, I had the privilege to be invited to be on the, the executive board of the National Day of Prayer. And so I'm a part of this group where we're in Washington, D.C. with lawmakers and all these people and, and talking with them. And then what's really cool for me right now in this stage of life is that I get to do that and sometimes put on a suit and be real fancy. Then I get to hang out with you guys and, like, show you how good I am at basketball tonight. He knows. And here's the thing. The thing is, and I'm not saying like, oh, look at me. Here's, the, here's, here's how things like that happen, is you just show up and you're there. You just show up. You keep showing up. You be consistent. If you have consistency, God will honor that. So as you think about coming out of a weekend like this, consistency is one of the most important things I could say to you. Now, when it comes to Claim Your Campus, some of you are new to this and some of you are more experienced. And I kind of identify three stages to Claim Your Campus when I think about it. You've got like a launch stage where you may just want to start it. And you're like, this is brand new. And I'm going to pick two friends and show up. And every week we're going to start praying for our school. And for some of you, it's not that. It's more of a multiplying stage where you're saying, okay, we've got a prayer presence on one day, but now we need to go to multiple days. And how do we do that? And you figure that out. And part of our model and part of our method and part of the mission and the DNA of this, as you know, is to have prayer groups every day at every school. Not just one big group on one day, but a consistent prayer presence five days a week. Now, what we've seen is we've seen a few achieve that. And then now what we're seeing is, is this other stage that I would call influence. And that's hitting this really critical but incredible number, and that number is 10%. Now, for some of you here, like imagine if you could see your school go through the launch phase and the multiplication phase and then get into the influence phase where all of a sudden, let's say if you had 1,000 people in your student body, 10% of that is what? What's 10% of 100? It's not a trick question. What's 10% of 100? What, what's, what's, I'm sorry, am I saying wrong? What's 10% of 1,000? Okay, good. I'm getting this screwed up. You're looking at me like, you're an idiot. Okay, I am. All right. We got a math teacher in here too. How embarrassing. Okay, let's get it right again. 1,000 and 10% of 1,000 is? And what's 100 divided by 5? 20. 20 is the answer. So imagine this, in a school of a thousand, if you get 20 people showing up to pray, all of a sudden now you've got 10% of your school calling out to God for change. And that's a, that's a movement that begins to have incredible influence. So a couple of things I want you to think about. You personally, what is God speaking to you about this weekend and specifically even as you hear what we're talking about tonight? Is he talking to you about your conviction? Is he saying, I need you to have a conviction that's from me that won't change? Is he talking to you about your commitment? The price that you're willing to pay? Or is he talking to you about maybe consistency and saying, I know you have a conviction and I know you're committed, but you're not consistent. And I want you to grow in that area. Right now, as you... As you as you just sit here, I want you to think about those three things and maybe circle or star, some kind, signify 
what you think God might be speaking to you about in one of those areas. Where does he want to stretch you, help you to grow, help you to be more effective in his work? And then I want you to think of which of these three CYC stages you need to maybe consider getting engaged in. For some of you here, it's brand new, and you go, I need to launch. That's where we're at. I came here, I didn't really know anything about this, and I feel like even though I might not even know how it's going to work out or I'm afraid or whatever, I need to launch. And some of you, it's like, I need to multiply. We've already launched, and now we need to multiply. And for those of you that are multiplied, you maybe need to think of the influence stage. Say, okay, we've got a presence, and now we need to go for this critical number. Because here's what we found, and this is true in life. If you get 10% of people involved in something, you can start to have a major influence with just that small number percentage. So which one of those for you might God may be speaking to you about right now? I want you to maybe circle it, start, whatever, and say, this is where I think God is kind of stretching me to think about, about going for that. So as we think of all those things, we need to just get it down to one thing. What's my first or next step? What do I need to do right now? I want you to write that down. What do I need to do right now? If God is speaking to me about some of this and I'm feeling led and I'm going to say yes to God and I'm going to do this, then what's the first thing I need to do? Maybe it's, okay, I've got the app and I need to invite a couple friends or I need to pick a day or I need to have a discussion with my friends when I get home, or we need to sit down and have a meeting. If we've already got Claim Your Campus going, we need to brainstorm, or whatever it is, what's your next step? That concludes part three of our four-part series on prayer. As always, thank you for listening. If you have joined us this far, we are grateful that you are continuing this journey in prayer with us. Subscribe to our Thought Factory podcast channel on iTunes, as well as YouTube channel. The series is leading up to a date on the calendar when thousands of students will be gathering and praying. You may have heard of it. See you at the poll on September 27th. If you want to get your students engaged in prayer throughout the year, we encourage you to leverage See You at the Poll to jumpstart a Claim Your Campus prayer group. You can learn more at claimyourcampus.com. And while you're there, check out CYC Connect, which is about connecting the local church or ministry to the student-led prayer movement. It provides you with a customizable 60-minute program that empowers your students to change their schools through prayer. Jeff and I are excited with a direction we have planned for Season 3, which kicks off on October 10th. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.